This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Jouar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is Thursday, December 6, 2018. I'm here in Maui at the Qualcomm Snapdragon Summit with SuperSaf. Hey, how you doing? And Alex Katuzian of Qualcomm. What is your role there? I'm the senior VP and general manager of our mobile and compute business. Wonderful. Yeah. So, Alex, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for inviting so, me. Of, uh, thank you as well. Thank you. We want to spend a few minutes with you, Alex, to kind of go over some of the great news that came out of this event. Sure. You know, the three big announcements, 5G, all the things, is kind of how the first day summary went for me. Right. Uh, Snapdragon 855 announcement, which is going to really move the mobile world forward in the next year yes. and then of course you're also doing in parallel the whole you know always connected always on pc but cranking things up a notch giving intel a run for their money there with yes. the hcx yes so tell us in your own words what what do you think uh you know is the takeaway for this whole event now that it's almost over yes so uh, first of, first and foremost um I think if the world realizes that Qualcomm is really leading 5G into reality and making sure that the ecosystem of infrastructure vendors, carriers, uh, software vendors, hardware vendors are all aligned to launch 5G in the next few weeks or maybe, you know, short few months. And, um, and I think um, it's been a long journey. Um, but we have worldwide cooperation from multiple um, tier one operators, as well as multiple tier one OEMs to produce produce multiple uh, multiple products. And uh, in the next few weeks, I would see you would see the first uh, first few of those products rolling out, and then a lot more after that in many different regions. I think we're really close, and. This is why this was like a huge deal in a way. You had a live 5G network here, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But, uh, Saf, what do you think was the thing that stuck out for you the most on day one? Well, for me personally, um, that 5G will be coming to my city in the UK. So I just saw it was was the last city listed, which is the last. uh, uh, I actually have major Wi-Fi problems um, because there's no fiber optic laid in my area. Oh, boy. So being somebody that does a lot of social media and YouTube, uploading 4K videos is a real struggle. Yeah, as, a as soon as I saw that, um, so that was my personal highlight because as soon as I saw that, I tweeted uh, EE, which is the yeah, yeah. network, and uh, Qualcomm, like, hey, we can do something together here. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, you got the hook so, um, Yeah. You know, I was actually going to ask you, we love tangents on the show. Don't mind us, Alex. Uh, <laughs> do you, what do you do now? Because obviously as a YouTube creator, you have to upload 4K video. Yeah, yeah. Like, so what do you do? Like, have you have multiple aggregated carriers or like aggregated uh, DSL or cable? So what right now, I actually have to go over to my parents' place who live 15 minutes away. That's where you do your uploads. That's where I have don't to do that. Go to Starbucks or something. Yeah, no, no, I have to do that whether it's like you know a cafe so, yeah. or something it's just um yeah it's it's i mean if i tell you my upload and download speed so download speeds are on average around seven megabits a second and upload is around 0.7 how do you do anything i know i, I know, know it's more things are faster than <laughs> i know do you use your phone your so yeah so usually i either t- uh, tether on 4g um or i have to just like drive over to my parents or to a cafe or something like that which is a real struggle and this is why you know i was very personally Mm-hmm. Very interested in 5G because uh, that's a perfect use case. You know, 5G would solve the problem that I'm having. And this is something that I'm sure a lot of it is. Oh, there's tons of people. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I was really pleased to see my city. You now have an excuse to see your parents regularly, though. That's good, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. But I mean, it's, it's good. I'm, I'll still see them. <laughs> so, so, so 5G is so, not going to break that relationship. If you're listening to the podcast and Saf needs help uploading, maybe yeah. some of your fans can help out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But hopefully 5G will solve my problems. So, uh, you know, I think, Alex, that Saf just talked about something that I think strikes into the hearts of a lot of customers worldwide right now. I've received Verizon and it started rolling out fixed 5G service in four cities in the US That's right. to replace broadband, cable, fiber, whatever, right? That's or as right. an alternative, or as a replacement. And in, I think in many cases, it's the last mile for a lot of people. Yes. Um, I mean, 
obviously we're much more interested in full mobile 5G, right? But yes. it's all part of the equation, right? Oh, yeah, this yeah. is the thing about 5G. It's not just about mobile devices. It's also about enterprise solutions. It's about all kinds of stuff. That's absolutely correct. So any type of uh, customer premise equipment or CPE uh, that, could, that could get rolled out, access points that have uh, 5G backhaul, um, any type of small cell uh, deployment to, to have that kind of data capability. But yeah, it's, uh, it's all about all of those things. Connected computers, uh, you know, you have, of course, your mobile handsets. So a variety of devices could uh, benefit from that. Cool. From that data so that was, I mean, a lot, I don't think I heard the word 5G more in one keynote in my entire life, <laughs> which granted was the whole point of it. Correct. But so 5G was pretty, uh, pretty, pretty strong. We had some demos later that day. Yes. And, you know, there are some stories. I have to bring it up. The Verge wrote, published a story. PC Mac, PC World published a story saying, oh, you know, this wasn't really a 5G demo. It was just, it, it, was, it might not have been in a lab, but it felt very much like a very controlled lab demo. And they were cranky about it. I, I, I want to get your take on this. You've been I, one of the things that you know you said earlier that I think I learned on this conference for myself as a pretty highly technical person was the amount of work that went into making this harmonized standard and rolling it out in a much faster speed than before. Like That's compared to four G, we're going to see five G everywhere much faster with a lot more manufacturers doing devices and stuff. So can you speak to these demos a bit? Yeah, absolutely. So. It was a, a grueling effort to try to have uh, two major, major U.S. operators bring their infrastructure equipment to Maui and set that up in a very short period of time. And, um, you know, usually you don't set up big infrastructure equipment in a, in a hotel ballroom, but that's, that's exactly what they did. Right. And then I would say uh, at least, uh, you know, 100, maybe 200 engineers in total uh, from from Ericsson's equipment manufacturing and Verizon and AT and T were here around, and Qualcomm round the clock uh, through Thanksgiving holiday, you know, through every every weekend for at least uh, at least two weeks. Wow. And two weeks is a very short period of time when you're trying to set up equipment to make sure multiple demos are working. Um, and then and then we had to coordinate with the OEMs that came in. So like, for example, Motorola and Samsung and, and Netgear Seagull, and Seago yeah. and, and all of those companies that had engineers here as, as well figuring things out. And then you had the hotel constraints where, you know, the area would be available at some point in the day and not available in other points of the day. Maybe two days they were taken up because someone already had booked it. And so we had to work around all of those obstacles to try to set up. Um, a, a fluent 5G network with multiple demos that actually demonstrated 5G connectivity, 5G data calls, uh, throughput capability, as well as, um, you know, very low latency for multiple different applications. Uh, I believe there were video calls made, there were um, head-mounted display demos that were there, there was streaming to a TV, there was downloads of multiple big files. Um, so you also have to take into consideration that these OEMs are going to be launching in a few weeks. Right. So what happens is when you have multiple engineers come off and do a demo, even though, even though from a marketing perspective is really great for them, they're tearing out some of their resources to, to allocate here. Right. And, and those resources could have been working on the real devices that they're going to be launching in a few weeks. So I'm very, very confident that in a few weeks you're going to see uh, full up 5G networks in the ground working properly. You're going to see um, products that are going to be production released that are going to be working fully properly. And then I would say in a very short few months, you're going to see handset releases that the consumers are going to buy and they're yeah. going to have to rely on. So it was a monumental effort. And mm -hmm. I think the demos went quite well, um, even though sometimes they were restricted in terms of what they could do. And, yeah, uh, I think that was a challenge. I don't think anybody doubts that, you know, the demos, I mean, it's, it's absolutely out of my mind that you had something set up here that was, you know, working. And I think there's absolutely no doubt in anybody's mind, Saf, that, you know, this yeah. 5G is going to be real in the consumer's hands yes. and working. I think it's more like, you know, for us, it was kind of like, we get a glimpse of it maybe before mm. it becomes something like next year when we're all here. We'll all have 5G devices. And then the other thing I was going to add is, um, you know, you don't see any other 
um, uh, chipset manufacturer besides Qualcomm that can actually do this, you know, pulling in all of the infrastructure guys, pulling in all of the carriers, pulling in all the OEMs and actually demonstrating live 5G. There's no other there's no other yeah. uh, uh, chipset manufacturer that can be even close. I think it was a, a, more of an expectation thing. I think a lot of us media were thinking we were going to have be able to grab a, a you know a Moto mod uh, 5G mod on a Z3 phone and and wander around the room and like watch Netflix and go like oh my god look I'm like using real 5G. Yes. And I think we were using real 5G but because we weren't using you know applications that yes. are like your everyday yes. things it didn't feel it felt more controlled and I think that's that's it well I'm 100% sure in a short few weeks you'll be able to do that all right and, you know because the Moto Mod is is really a 5G mod attached to a full-fledged phone right so the applications are going to be running on the phone exactly. while it's got a data connection through 5G so I'm 100% confident and you know what I discovered when I found out Saf maybe you didn't know this that 5G uh, uh, that 5G mod hmm. has a Snapdragon 855 in it really Actually. it's not just the modem it's okay. a full-on computer modem solution that's, that's amazing i had no idea. i did not know that either so that's now right. you heard it on the podcast yeah, that's correct cool so let's move on to the 855 yes. because i think that 855 to me is like kind of like a magical unicorn beast like you, the 45 is already incredible and now you're just piling on more stuff and now it's just almost getting ridiculous what you can yeah. do well, so tell us a little bit quickly yeah. like in maybe like 10 seconds what should you know, listeners take away from the 855. Yeah. So if you have a large pipe like 5G feeding data into your handset, it has to be able to be processed. It can't just sit there right. and, and go to waste. Uh, so it would be useless if we had a uh, weaker application processor uh, subsystem attached to a big pipe like 5G. So the 855 really is there to be able to process the amount of data that's being fed uh, you know, process video, intelligently pick and choose between functions, have a great camera capability, step that up a lot. You know, people are going to be uploading and downloading massive files. Uh, as you heard in the next three years, 70% of the data traffic on all the networks is going to be video. So I also think about this. Today, wherever you are with your phone, at the edge of the network, in a bad area, you still get your audio streams coming to you completely, yeah. right? There's no break or anything no. like that. It's going to be exactly like that with video. Video, yeah. Video. So you're on the edge of the network, you're in a bad area, video will get to you. And that's transformative because people will collaborate around video 10 times more that now that they can do that, that, they'll collaborate around video a lot more. And you never know, like everything visual will be coming to you versus just audio. Yeah. For me, what struck me the most, Alan, I talked about imaging with you yeah, yeah. in a minute. Well, what struck me the most was that the 855 is really the gateway to 5G because it is in its, in its own an incredible 4G experience with 2 megabit per second, uh, sorry, gigabit, gigabit per second, yeah. uh, um, LTE, modem, yeah. right? Those are first. Yes. Uh, and on top of that have, you know, uh, the ability to drive the X50 modem for 5G. So it, it's just um, a powerhouse in its, in its own right. Yes. It supports like 60 gigahertz, uh, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi right. 6, which is Wi-Fi AX. I mean, it's a Wi-Fi 11 AY. Oh, AY yeah, now. So wow, 60 okay. gigahertz, so it's millimeter wave. Right. And so within within a closed environment, you're going to get massive amounts of. Right, but you also support two. Wi-Fi 6, is what I mean. Yes, too, uh, yes. Right. And the same chip. So, yes. like, if you're listening to this, this is not like a bunch of chips in one cluster yes. this is one single chip yes and you know there, I, we could go on but to me that that was like really significant is that in its own right it's a really really fantastic yes that's uh, correct device and then on top of that you got that gateway to the x50 and the, and the 5g that's correct um but the image processing because i'm a bit of a photography whore myself mm -hmm. there i wouldn't uh, lie mm -hmm. um you know the thing that struck me the most is that the isp now has computer vision baked in which makes like when you were on stage and like it wasn't you but somebody was up there saying okay so we can do 4k at 60 frames per second we're like yeah awesome yeah. check and then it says with live bokeh portrait mode that check we were like okay and then it said uh hdr 10 plus and i was like holy crap yes. like how much data is that stuff like you you know like we you yeah. use, the, use the seven alpha seven yeah as your camera yeah I, uh, I, one of them yeah one of them yeah 
and you know how beastly that thing is yeah and it doesn't even do that yeah it's, it's amazing i mean that's something that i'm particularly excited about I'm, I'm always using portrait mode on all of my smartphones and it's something that i absolutely love because it saves me having to carry around uh a heavy camera and i can still get great looking shots which you know look like that's the slr right. shots yeah being able to get that in video like death sensing at 60 frames a second it's insane it's it's amazing and you know i can't wait to get the first device that supports that and test it out because that is that's a game changer yeah i mean the quality of video if if, if you know if if it looks like anything like the demos then i'm really excited i know the demos were pretty impressive yes mm. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think if there's, there's so much to talk about. The graphics are improved, the CPUs, I mean, the pro just basic processing is improved. Yeah, so before we get off the camera subject for a second, though, those uh, CV functions are repetitive so many times. Yeah. Like depth sensing and sixth off and stuff like that. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, to sixth off for head-mounted displays. All those things are repetitive so many times on CV that it made sense for us not to waste the hexagon processor to process that. We just moved it into hardware. And yeah. then you get much lower power that way. You get faster processing. And then you free up that whole uh, um, you know, hexagon processor engine. I don't want to call it DSP anymore because it's really a processor. Right, yeah. uh, that can do a lot more AI functions. Correct. Yeah. Instead of wasting its time doing the CV functions. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like you've you've... You're, you're getting, not only getting uh, speed improvements, you're getting power management. Like yes. you're getting really yes. better battery life yes. out of the things that people expect and do yes. all the time on their phones. Yes, that's correct. So that's, that's I'm super stoked about that. Um, you know, it's interesting, as an anecdote, as a side story, I've been using a, a competing product, not using a Snapdragon chip as a phone a lot recently, because I think it's a really great phone, the Mate 20 Pro. Mm -hmm. And one of your colleagues asked me, why are you taking all your photos with this phone? And I said, well, three lenses, tele, wide and regular really, really helps. But that could be done, on a, obviously, on any Snapdragon-based product as well. In fact, the V40 from LG has that. Mm -hmm. But it was more like, I. You know, and I think this is my feedback to you folks, would be, I want to see something built around the 855 that really pushes the envelope and throws everything but the kitchen sink. Because what we see from Qualcomm is every year you show us all these things your processors can do, but I feel like the OEMs are not actually going all the way there. They're never giving us all the features. And, and I want them to like give us everything but the kitchen sink this year. Hmm. I want... Google or OnePlus or Samsung or somebody yeah. to come along and go like, you remember all the stuff they talked about in, in, in Maui? Mm -hmm. We're going to give them the whole freaking shebang. <laughs> because the Mate 20 Pro feels like that. The yeah. Mate 20 Pro, like they did not hold anything back. Yeah. Uh, except for maybe the software. Because I'm a yeah. bit picky. Yeah. But, but, you know, this is what I'm saying. It's like, I, I'm hoping that w you guys can have s one or at least one OEM come out with something that's just like, okay, Every checkbox is checked. I'm pretty positive that's going to happen because yes. that's the beauty of uh, competition. Mm. You you know, someone pushes the envelope and then you're you're incentivized to do the same. And so we that kind of plays off of each other. Yeah. And so I think uh, I think um, you know Huawei uh, pushing those solutions as far as they can is a, is a good thing. It's a good thing for the market. Yeah. You know, and I think the other people are like I've had some journalists say to me, "Well, Miriam, you got to be realistic. You know, Apple and Huawei are very highly vertically integrated. How could a, a third party OEM that uses Qualcomm chips be that?" And I'm like, I don't agree. Qualcomm provides so much value. You don't just provide the chips, you provide the, you know, the RF front end, the RF, the all the power management chips and, you know, NXP. And then on top of that, you provide, you provide all these, um, you know, software solutions for the, for the OEM. So that's why I'm like, I really want to see it happen this year. Yeah. And you also have to realize that, you know, uh, engineers at, you know, companies like Oppo, Vivo, Xiaomi, OnePlus, Samsung, LG, Sony, they're like experienced people for years and years have been designing these phones. And some of them have vertically integrated, you know, sister divisions, like Sony can go to Sony to get the sensors that had so much experience with content and, and, and imaging. Um, Samsung's the same way. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, LG, LG has LG display and have elect electromechanical designs that are in-house. They're experienced people. And what they're going to do, they're going to see this array of features available for the A55, and we will support all of them in development of all these things. 
And we also push, now you see the demos that we can control in our Qualcomm reference design, uh, we'll tra we transfer all of that to them. Exactly. We transfer mm -hmm. RF design, power management designs, antenna designs, thermal designs, everything goes to them. Whether they use it or not, it's there for a reference. But I'm sure they're going to push the envelope because, like I said, as competition feeds on itself. Yeah, I mean, that's the feeling I got. The Mate 20 Pro really, like, has really set the Android well on its head, I think, in a way, because it really shows, look, this is what could be. And, you know, it's true that we're also at the end, tail end of the 845 device, you know, wave, right? Yes, yes. So the 855 device wave is coming. So yes. I think I think it's an interesting time. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a great point that you mentioned. I mean, last year when we had the 845 announcement and 4K HDR was, was a huge thing. But I think Sony was probably one of the only OEMs that supported 4K HDR yeah, on yeah. video. Uh, like for me personally, as somebody who you know uses video a lot, I was super excited about it. But you know, the Sony phones as a whole like don't match my needs. Right. So I'm like using some other devices, such as Google or the Samsung, and they don't have 4K HDR. Right. So I totally get your point, and I hope that all of these features that we're talking about, I mean, it'd be great to have something that takes a lot of those, if not all. Yeah, I think we'll see it happen. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, our job at Qualcomm is to push and look ahead maybe like uh, three, four years down the road because we're involved in so many standard bodies, uh, not only just on the communication side, but on every multimedia side. You know, multiple different codecs, video standards bodies. You know, we, we push limits of graphics. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a ton of stuff that we're involved in. So we see three or four years ahead of what's coming and we start planning for that. And uh, what we do is we try to have an appropriate pipe for the data that can come to you. And we work with so many different independent software vendors and we work with so many internet companies and cloud players. We see the types of services that they wanna to bring to the table. And so we design appropriate systems around that. And then, and then so we, we inform all of our OEMs for these things and, and depending on their business outlook they're going to go for the best product that they can and we're there to support them 100 percent. but having ai push the limits of computing in a handset and bringing a fat pipe to the match if you walked away if you walked away out of the first day saying okay they got they got this 5g thing licked and they got enough processing capability to run ai excellent video and, and photography excellent gaming and, and graphics for all the user experiences and then they match that together then that's the it's kind of the marriage made in heaven yeah and it keep i think most people out there just don't know yet it's like they're still thinking 4g they're still thinking yes. the data sets yes. that we are working with today like jpegs yes. instead of heif which yes. is a container yes. for imaging so right? much more useful yeah. i think we're even myself as a photographer i'm kind of like cranking my jpeg i want to use my jpeg but then i also understand that it's so much more efficient yes. to have all that depth data stored as well and multiple yes. photos and multiple angles and yes. reconstructs things after the fact which i think gives me way more creative options ultimately yes. right oh, yes. Uh, let's switch quickly gears before you have to run uh, and talk about the Snapdragon 8CX. Yes. I'm, I'm a huge, like, I've been screaming off the top of my lungs for years. Give me an ARM laptop, give me an ARM laptop. And I was so excited two and a half years ago now at Computex. Yes. Once you showed the 820 yes. or 835, I can't remember it was, yeah, yeah. Uh, running Windows 10. And I remember it was a little dev kit on the table yes. with a Bluetooth keyboard and yes. mouse. And I used it to surf the web with Edge. And I was like, this is not, this doesn't suck, this is great. And at the same time, you know, we've been, I'm a Mac user primarily on the, on the on my PC use, but I, I, use, I use everything, Chromebooks, Windows 10. The thing is though that Apple, you know, with their A-chips have kind of hinted that they might be making a laptop someday that runs macOS on ARM. And so I've also been very excited about that. So needless to say, when you announced the 850 at Computex, I was like, finally. I mean, eight, eight, last, last year's uh, yes. conference here, you announced, of course, and you showed the ASUS device, the HP device. But to me, those were a little, not what I was looking for. I was looking for super thin and light, like the, uh, the Lenovo, yes. the C630 is what I was really looking for. That's awesome. And so, so, so Computex comes along and I can see the new yes. chip and I'm like, okay, this is happening. So now you've 
got that chip, yes. you know, the 850 is out there, it's not going away, yeah. it's doing really well, the products that are coming out with that now are like really solid, and you decided, hey, why not just crank it to 11 and give us the 8CX? Yes. I mean, this is incredible to me that you're reaching in, Intel levels of performance, but with much better battery life, full connectivity, yes. and it's the first 7 nanometer chip for a laptop. That's correct. And just like that, in like 12 months, 18 months, whatever it's been. Yes. So tell us about how, I mean, obviously the vision was there all along. I figured that would happen eventually, but how did you make it happen? So we work very tightly with Microsoft and we, we um, so they are a software partner. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we know the types of services they want to go after. We know um, this model that they have that's going to be a new workforce with new types of work environments and uh, you know, their services are all going to go over the cloud um, and, and they need that always connected type of a device. And then um, what, what they wanted to do is to show that um, the PC market became a little bit stagnant. It did. And, and so therefore they wanted to crank it up and to crank it up, you have to bring something that's significantly better in terms of user experience. There's no longer, there's no longer the game of, you know, I have the fastest CPU, but then it doesn't really affect my user experience. Or I have like, you know, massive graphics cards on my PC and it doesn't, you know, unless I'm a super gamer, I'm doing something very creative on that. If you're a normal user, what you want is a very light device, very thin, that lasts, you know, a long, long time for your use cases, mm -hmm. for your use cases. You can work from anywhere. Yeah. Right. And it runs all the software that you need. Right. So that's exactly what the what the, the target was. and what the vision was. And so the HCX was very collaborative with Microsoft. We knew exactly what to do in terms of connections to other devices. So our I.O. was planned out. Uh, we knew exactly what type of performances we need to hit. We knew exactly what type of user experience we wanted to get out of it. Consumers were feeding back. So Microsoft get, gets giant-sized feedback from their consumers all the time. And so we, we collaborated with them, we worked with them, and we came up with a solution that would be perfect for a world of thin, portable, always connected, always on, long battery life with all sorts of software and backwards compatibility running on it. And they, they helped quite a bit to try to get this rolling. And um, I think the OEMs, so if you take a look at the mobile OEMs, they're, they're dying to expand their premium tier right. solutions. Right? They want to expand their premium tier. So it's like a market ready to go into and they have the experience with connectivity to make that happen. And then the PC OEMs are looking for something different as well. They want to yeah. have this type of capability go into an enterprise. They want to make sure the enterprise users are free to go anywhere they want. Microsoft's pushing that, so they might as well comply with that as well. So it was like a perfect setting. And I mean, not, let's not forget also, you get this incredible mobile experience on the yes. phone side. Yes. And you, in a way, scaled that up for the PC. That's right. So, I mean, you know, you had a foundation that was really solid with lots of time tuning and experience for years. That's right. Are you into this? Like, I know you primarily use a laptop to edit video yeah. these days, and that's a pretty heavy duty thing. Yes. But... I mean, assuming, say, that I use Final Cut or Premiere, I don't know. Um, I'm Premiere. You're Premiere. So you yeah. could potentially use a Windows 10. Yeah. So what if there was an ARM64 optimized version of Premiere that used all the codec stuff for rendering that was baked into CX? Would you look at using I something would like that? I mean, totally, totally. With the, like right now, uh, when I try to edit on my laptop, um, you know, I, I will not get much in terms of battery life. It will. I. I will have to connect onto power. Um, I was just in LA with uh, David Cogan. We were out mm -hmm. in a cafe. And I forgot my charger. I literally like must have edited for just over an hour, mm -hmm. and like my battery was already starting to die. So I'd be really excited to test out some video editing and seeing how that performs for me. Uh, if I'm on a plane, for example, um, I can't charge my laptop on a plane because the power output. Is not, not high enough. High enough. Are you using a razor? I'm using uh, XPS 15. Oh yeah, that's I mean, pretty big thing. Yeah. yeah, so so it it just won't charge my laptop. So then editing on the plane, especially because I travel a lot uh, yeah. at the long distance, yeah. um, like just sitting on the plane, I'd rather do editing, but I can't because 
my battery will not last as long. So I'd be really excited to test out. Well, maybe you guys talk to Adobe and see if you we get SuperSaf a custom version of Premiere that you can try out on yeah. one of those. Yeah, and also um, both Qualcomm and Microsoft have been working with a lot of the software vendors to do make sure their software runs on a 64-bit version of ARM. And, uh, and, you know, I think over time what you'll see is many more just coming on and making that happen. You know, I, th I, I still think that it's interesting because as, as tech journalists, YouTuber, YouTube creators, and, and at this whole little world that all of us live in, that are media on this, in this event, we have these weird kind of niche special needs. But if you look at them and you fulfill these niche needs, they end up getting really great mainstream traction is what I feel. Yeah. It's like, because like, you know, when this came out, I have a 12 inch MacBook, I'm pointing at it right now for those of you who can't see me. Uh, it's an old one. And at the time it was a great use case for me because I don't edit video on this, but for everything else, it still gives me full computing and now I can still open a shell and run some Unix stuff if I want to, but it's super thin, super light, and it's not always connected, but it's pretty much always on. And the connected part, I just use a hotspot and it's fine, right? Thankfully, I get Qualcomm devices out because they're in my pockets. Um, but, you know, I think we're, uh, we're kind of the perfect test bed because oh, we you. need to be on the web for publishing, yes. but we also need to do video editing, which is a little yes. heavier than, it's not video gaming, like, you know, yes. super 500 frame per second, you know, 4K video, but we, we, we need some stuff that is a little more heavy duty than just surfing the web in the enterprise would use. So yes. it's kind of, I think it's interesting to see how that's going to go. Well, maybe we can give you guys a device. Yeah, I've I've actually talked to Bernie about getting a C six thirty because that's the one thing I was wondering. Oh, right <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's the one that's most appealing. Do you have? Do you like the Samsung maybe instead? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to. I've not actually uh, tested one out like properly, but I'd love to. Like maybe next time I'm coming to California, it's like, hey, I'm gonna charge this up and I'm gonna use it on my flight all yeah. the way yeah. and, and have a proper use LT case. LTE all your way yeah, through the West way. Coast. And then that'll, that'll be it. That'll be, and then we'll see how much battery life there is. That'll be the ultimate uh, you, test. You know, um, there's no difference in power if you have your LTE on constantly or you have your Wi-Fi on constantly. Right. Wow, that's amazing. No difference. Well, I think this is a good time for us to uh, to say goodbye to Alex. I, I know you've got other things to do. And thank you. Thanks for being thanks on the show. Thanks for inviting me. It was really, really awesome. It. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, nice thanks. You. Great to meet yeah. you. I'll, cool. I'll see you back at the gym. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was fun. That was. Um, yeah. What... Um, I mean, what do you? I mean, what do you think? To me, like we didn't talk about one thing that I think was kind of a big deal on the eight fifty five day, which was the whole OnePlus stuff. Uh -huh, yes. Right? <laughs> so I mean, you. Know, I'm sure you've had a few OnePlus six Ts now. There's like what two or three different colors. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah. I've, I've got the main one, right? I've got the black. Uh, they didn't send you a purple one yet. They didn't. That's so weird. Yeah, it's weird. I, Eric, if you're listening, I know you are. It, uh, the purple is so much easier to film as well, like rather than a black. Um, it's obviously a lot more striking as well. So it'd be nice. It would have been nice to have had that, but yeah. still a great device overall. But the news is that it sounds like, remember last year, 845 Samsung was the first to get, to get it. Yeah. Because they are the man, they, they manufacture it. They're basically the, the, the fab, yes. the chip maker. Uh, and seven nanometer is, you know, going to be a big deal here. So I'm sure, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not sure if they explicitly stated Samsung's a manufacturer, but I think it's going to be Samsung. Mm -hmm. Surprisingly, OnePlus is getting the first batch. Yeah, well. What's your take on that? So, so they said it's going to be the first uh, device of 2019. Yeah. But then they amended that, right? They have to say that it's going to be one, one of the, the first. first. Okay. I didn't hear the amendment. Okay. So this is the thing because <laughs> everyone was going uh, all over online <laughs> saying they're going to be the first and then apparently that was amended that it, they actually meant it was one of the first so yeah I think I mean I was kind of surprised like because the way it was translated by the interpreter was mm. a little weird yeah because uh, Pete Lau the CEO of OnePlus was on stage and he did the presentation in Chinese mm -hmm. and the the slide said the, fir the first Plus, but yeah. then the translation said one of the first yeah. And I was like, which one, which one is it? So, well, I mean, look, the reality is OnePlus doesn't build that many phones. So uh -huh. volume wise, it actually would make sense for them to grab a chunk of the first Fish, production. Yeah. yeah. And so that they can be uh, first. And that's yeah, I mean, uh, but the release cycle of OnePlus devices, so I, it's usually summertime, isn't it? 
the OnePlus 6. It's like May-ish, April-ish. Yeah, so I mean, if they were to stick to that cycle, um, I mean, I think Samsung will probably come in earlier. Before that, that, yeah. But I mean, again, the OnePlus may, may, may. They may be early this year, you know? Yeah, they may be. Because it's... I think they've really, I mean, this year they've really shown that they've, they're really maturing rapidly mm-hmm. this yeah, year, right? I mean, wow. Definitely. And, and if you, if we had had a conversation, if we had like, if you go back in time and talk to ourselves right now yeah. in January, February and say OnePlus is in T-Mobile stores in the US mm. and is making a uh, 5G phone next year with yeah. E in the UK yeah. and is coming out with the first ever 855 phone or one of the first, one of the first we'd be like, yeah. nah, <laughs> nah, that's a little much. Mm-hmm. But now it's real. So yeah. that's the other thing I just want to quickly drop. We're doing two items in one shot. Um, so first, one of the first four, uh, 855 phones mm-hmm. and there is uh, going to be the first 5G, one, well, definitely one of the first 5G phones in Europe yes. on EE. Yep. And so that's really a big deal. That means that OnePlus is really committed to 5G. I mean, I, I didn't talk to Pete, but I talked to Eric and yeah. he said, yeah, like this is a big deal. We spend a lot of time and energy on mm. making sure we're ready for 5G. And I said, you know, and I think I said to him, well, that makes sense because if you think about it, early adopter tech savvy folk are the people who buy, yeah. you know, and, and values and smart, value smart people are the mm-hmm. ones who buy OnePlus devices. Yeah. So 5G is going to make phones expensive. Every, you know, Pete was said it would be two to $300 more than normal. So probably a thousand dollars for a phone from yeah. OnePlus with 5G, yeah, that's which right. means the rest of the phones from 5G are going to be like twelve, thirteen hundred dollars oh, Yeah, right? that's, that's the way things are going, right? Oh my God. But the point is that like people, those same people are mm-hmm. going to want, want 5G early mm-hmm. and they're going to want it at a price that's hopefully as reasonable as possible. So mm-hmm. I think OnePlus is a good candidate. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the current price of OnePlus, I mean, so in the UK, it's still starting at 500 pounds. Mm-hmm. So even if you were to increase that by a few hundred, it still would be competitive mm-hmm. compared to other devices that are now starting at, you know, in, in the UK anyway, 800, 900 pounds. Right. So, I mean, if we look at the uh, Mate 20 Pro, which um, I noticed we are both using and we both have the same. <laughs> no, I know, it's well. so weird. Yeah. <laughs> Freaky. Yeah. So, um, you know, even with the price increase, uh, I still think it will be somewhat competitive. I think so too. And, and I mean, you it sounds like you're an e customer. I am not yet, but I mean, if they can bring me five G, then you're gonna I, do I'm, it, right? I'm happy to jump ship anytime. <laughs> you heard it here first, people. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, this is. I, I, I kind of feel like, um, you know, I, I'm not sure we're gonna get a OnePlus with five G support for US carriers until later, and mm. and I'm kind of bummed now. I'm like, yeah. I want to be in the UK for the EE stuff. Yeah. Um, that's so. That's another big piece of the story is that mm. we have we are factually been told that 8055 and then eventually a 5g 855 based device so and and i've heard this is unconfirmed but i heard rumors that this might not be like we're not talking about one plus seven and then one plus seven t with 5g later we're talking about parallel lines of devices here so five uh the seven will be probably the one of the first 855 devices with 4g and then there'll be some other phone at some point um, and maybe branded uh, in a different numbering scheme or something. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, so, that would be quite interesting. I mean, it could be like a special edition, uh, which has 5G. Who knows? We'll see. Speaking of 5G hardware, mm. um, so Samsung, it, among all the news this, at this conference, announced that they're going to be making a 5G phone for at and mm-hmm. No surprises there, but this would be a millimeter wave phone for the U.S., mm. But then the next day, not here, yeah. but on some other some other location somewhere, maybe through a press release, I can't remember. They announced that AT and T is getting a second Samsung five G phone next year. Later on, okay, that also supports sub six in addition to millimeter wave. All right. So it's like the Osborne effect, you yeah. know, back in the seventies when or eighties when they announced the next computer before they shipped the first one and they yeah, went yeah. bankrupt because everybody wanted to <laughs> buy the second the one. one yeah. I mean, of course, Samsung's not going to go bankrupt on that. No. Um, but it's kind of like, feels like, why would you do that? Like, mm. why wouldn't you let people buy the first one? First and one then, and then release, yeah. I suppose it depends on which market you're in because if you yeah. have millimeter wave in your market, you'll want sub-six first, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. 
But that's another piece of news. I'll link to all these news items in the show notes. Um, so here's something that I want to get your feel for, because so, I'm not a big fan of Allo and Duo. Okay. <laughs> and uh, one of the news items yesterday was that Google plans to kill Allo. Yeah. So here's the thing. Are you mad? So, so I, I, don't, I don't actually use it because, um, so in the UK, everybody uses WhatsApp. Yes, of course. Everybody who's everybody uses WhatsApp. And this is something that I actually find surprising whenever I come to the States, right? It's because, you know, I'm like, what's up? And they're like, very oh, few people, very people who use I WhatsApp. Use it, but yeah, but now, now I've kind of like got all my friends onto WhatsApp so that we can nice. communicate. But yeah, I mean, I personally not really use that much because WhatsApp, because all of my friends and family generally yeah. are on there. Yeah. That's what I use mainly. So, I mean, for me, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, crazy news like it was just like okay i don't use it anyway no but it's interesting because uh, google really seems to be struggling to introduce these various messaging apps and yeah. not i i have never been a fan of these two apps in fact duo is the only one that comes pre-installed on a lot of android phones yeah and i disable it pretty much by yeah. default because i i'm i don't need it i don't mm -hmm. want it I, I mean, with my Asian friends, I, I'm on WeChat. Yep. With my European friends, I'm on WhatsApp. Yep. With my American friends, I'm on Facebook Messenger or Instagram yeah, yeah. Messenger or sometimes, God forbid, text messaging. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> that's where I'm at. Yeah, know? yeah, same. And it's like, yeah. But, but it's interesting because it's like, oh, God, Google. <laughs> you yeah. poor guys. You can't get a break. Everything you come up with just gets shut down in flames. And I think it, goes, I think it probably goes along with them shutting down Hangouts as yeah. well because I think it used a lot of shared technologies in the back end. Yeah, so, it's funny know. because when we got here, um, one of the guys, Anna Bong uh, from Board at Work was, we, we, we had like a Facebook group chat and he was speaking to somebody about Hangouts. And I was like, you still use Hangouts? Like, yeah. who uses Hangouts in 2018? <laughs> like I've, I've not used it. I haven't used it in a while. It really time. is. I used, uh, for a little while there, uh, journalists, US journalists would use them I use it as a group for their publication, mm -hmm. you know, like like they would use uh, Slack today, for yes, example. Yes. Um, mostly for text, like for text-based messaging mm. uh, as a group feature, but um, that's kind of, I don't know of anybody who's contacting me on Hangouts at yeah. all in such a long time. Like I use Skype a lot still for better or for worse for the, a lot of the podcasts that are done remotely, like yeah. we're in the same room today, so it's easier. That's but uh, just that just seems to work because I don't know. I'm willing to do other stuff, but Skype can run on the same computer that's recording the audio and all that. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, interesting little tidbit there. And speaking of weird tidbits, a little closer to home for you. Yeah. Uh, Russia, Yandex, and Russia yeah, have launched their sure. own Android phone. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that briefly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you think of that? Uh, well, from the spec specs, it looks pretty decent for the price. It's very, you know, what, Snapdragon 630, yeah, yeah. pretty low, like mid-range-ish. Mid, mid -range -ish. I mean, it yeah. doesn't look bad, it doesn't but it's interesting because obviously we, both you and I, have no yeah. perspective on that universe of Yandex no. and using Yandex and Alice, their voice assistant. I didn't even know yeah. Yandex had a voice assistant. No, I didn't. No, this is the thing. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like Baidu or something. It's like a different experience. Yeah, it's a very, us. very different experience over there. But um, it's cool. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, that's, I'm always excited when I see a new phone from, that's completely weird like that too, because mm -hmm. it's like, I know it's not going to be something I'm going to use every day or get into, but yeah. I like to try it out, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because it's like it's, variety is the spice of life kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, something different. Speaking of, so have there been any phones that have kind of crossed your desk or your, you know, studio hmm. that have been like, oh, this was completely unexpected. That was kind of like, I'm kind of digging it, but nobody else is, or I'm digging uh, it, but I didn't think I would dig it. Yeah. So the thing is with me personally, um, I generally concentrate on the flagships. Of course. Um, so, so because, do I. Yeah. There's so many. Like, There's so just, many. And this year has been so crazy, oh especially in October. So there's devices which, you know, like, uh, for instance, the LG V40 was something that I wanted to spend some more time with uh, because it was one of the first with the, with the three cameras. I know. And I just didn't get enough time. Neither to. did I. And you know, it's just LG bad timing. Why it did you, is. where were you the first? And then we were bombarded with more important news. Yeah, things. exactly. And obviously we have to prioritize and like for me as well, I need to concentrate on more of what the audience wants to see. Um, and the demand for other devices such as the Mate 20 Pro, uh, which again has three cameras, was much higher 
And that's why I had to kind of put my concentration on that. I also think that if you look at them side by side, I mean, I'm a huge fan of LG. I've been so supportive of them. Yeah. But because I've been a big fan of the V series for mm. multimedia creation, I mean, yeah. manual video mode on that thing is still unbeat by anyone yeah, else. Yeah, very much so. But at the same time, like the Mi 20 Pro is such a masterful device. It that is. It's like you put them side by side and you're like, uh, sorry, LG, but you No, here's know. the thing, because I, I was actually quite um, like, I'm surprised coming here to see so many creators running the Mate 20 Pro like as their primary device. That, I did all my content on Mate 20 Pro this week. Yeah, and it's just amazing. Like for me, it's the battery life. Like I've, yeah. I use so many of the devices and for me, the battery life on this is great. I've got dual sims in here because I'm traveling, so it's working out on there. The camera is really good. I think cameras still can be improved. I still prefer um, the Pixel, uh, the iPhone for, uh, for pictures and video uh, when it comes to regular photos. But of course, because of the variety that you have on here with the zoom, how much zoom? I saw you were taking pictures of the presentation. Yeah, I did live um, blog all three days. And yeah. the reason I use a Mate 20 Pro is like the tele and the you know wide and then yeah. regular and then changing the angle basically. Yeah, it just it just gives you so so many options. So I think as an all round device, it's it is very very good, which is the reason why so many people are using it, and especially like creators. I I can like count a good few that are using the Mi 20 Pro as their primary device. Absolutely. And I use the, uh, my Pixel 3 XL as my main phone with my main SIM. Yeah. And I use that for video. A lot of my video is done on the Pixel. And personal photography, that is when I don't need a tele or something, mm. I use the, the the Pixel. But the Mate, I, I always have with me because it's just like so versatile. Yeah, yeah. And not so much for video, but for, for photos. Wow, I can have so much creative fun with oh, photos. Yeah, totally. I think they've done a great job with it. It's this, really, yeah. really strong. Uh, speaking of fun phones, Nokia announced an 8.1 device which will yeah. replace the 7 plus mm. have you played with any of their phones so i have played with a few of their phones uh but once again because um, they're not flagships because they're not flagships like this is something that a lot of my audience because i have quite an international audience yes. um, some of uh some of the audience will be like can you check out this phone and i'd say like i'd love to check it out but i only have so much time in yeah, terms of yeah. playing one of the phones so what i tend to do is uh, because of that reason I, I tend to concentrate on the upper tier flagships because mm -hmm. i know that's what's going to work with me well for me so uh for the nokia ones i've had brief time playing around with them but not in depth yeah so this is a new one i was excited to see that um i played with the 7.1 for a week um about a, like in the middle of phone apocalypse techtober yeah. i didn't like cover it very extensively yeah. uh, other than a few tweets here and there and, and an unboxing video but mm. i was just you know i'm a long time nokia fan this yeah. whole hdmd revival gets got me very excited yeah but like you i need to focus on the big and the big ones the yeah. big ones so i'm not really spending much time but I have to say, for a mid-range phone, it was a delightful experience to use that 7.1 for a few days. I was yeah. pretty impressed. So the 8.1, I'm hoping, is uh, is a step further up from there. So Definitely. I mean, they, they, they Nokia make great devices overall. And yeah. I think in that mid-range uh, market, uh, they are quite popular from what I hear um, from all my followers saying, hey, you need to check this one out. Um, hopefully... Um, if things get quieter, if they ever do, then yeah. uh, I'll have a chance to. Well, what about that Nokia 9 everybody's been kind of rumored with the Penta camera set up, like the star-shaped oh, yeah, camera yeah. thing. If that comes out, if that turns out to be real and it's a flagship 855 base phone, yeah, then are you in? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, HMD. did you hear that? So, HMD? Yeah, All right, yeah. folks, like, <laughs> we want that flagship. I mean, as much as we love you making mid-range phones because that's where the money is right yeah now, yeah right? Did, did they have so did, did they have an event in dubai recently i don't know honestly so i think there was because i because i saw because uh when i was on my way here uh -huh. um i i have this thing on my instagram stories i kind of like get my audience to guess where i'm going right uh, now oh, right that's awesome. so then you'll get all of because the, there's different events going on and a lot of people saying like dubai for the nokia event and i'm like thinking They've got it an event at the back. It might have been the 8.1 to be honest. Yeah, it could, it, could have been, it could have been the 8.1. I'm not 100% sure, but I was like, hey, Nokia, if you invite me for an event in Dubai, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I am uh, there. <laughs> you know, Nokia, before it be, you know, when it was still Microsoft, in fact, before it got acquired by Microsoft, just before mm -hmm. it got, became absorbed by Microsoft, 
It had their last Nokia World in Abu Dhabi, and I was Hi. there, and it was amazing. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> they went all out because they knew, like, they're like, yeah. let's blow the budget. Let's, just, down. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> it was really good time. Yeah. Um, two more little things I'm curious about. Have you, in your travels here in the U.S., used mm. Google Fi, or even abroad, so, use Google Fi? So Google Fi is something that I've uh, like thought about a lot, but um, when it comes to so most of the places I go, so now the great well. Currently, anyway, the great thing about traveling in Europe is I can use my yeah, home SIM exactly. as, as I would. So I don't yeah. actually have to do anything. Now, what I've actually started doing when I come to the US is just getting an unlimited data SIM. And that's because I use a lot of data. Of course. Now, I believe on uh, um, Google Fi, correct me if I'm wrong, it's like $10. Yeah, it's $10 per, I, I can't remember. It's like the $10 per gigabyte, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it's somewhere around there. And for me, what I like about it and is that I can... I have one, but I never use it domestically. Okay. Uh, you can pause service for up to three months and okay. you pay nothing. Yeah. And so, it, and it auto re-enables itself after three months, but it notifies you. So you can literally go back in the app and turn it off again for three months. Okay. All so right. it's been on for 10 seconds. And if yeah. the SIM is in no device, you're paying nothing because it's not even yeah, registering. Yeah. So that's how I deal with it. It's not, I, I store it off device and mm. I keep it somewhere and I travel with it. And when I go to my destination, mm. I turn it on yeah. remotely. Mm. And all of a sudden I have unlimited speed and yeah. roaming. Yeah. It's still $10 per gigabyte, yeah. but no restrictions on performance of roaming yeah. and tons of roaming agreements with tons of other carriers, which yeah, is really yeah. great. And I mean, my T-Mobile US SIM has free roaming abroad, but they cap the speed. So it's like yes. 3G speeds, yeah, yeah. but it's still free and unlimited, which is mm. nice. But if you want to do what we're doing, upload yeah. video or whatever, that's like that's where I, you know, so I, I, was, I look at it and go, yeah. is the local SIM cheaper than yeah. using my Fi SIM? And if it is, then I buy the local SIM. But oftentimes I find myself, especially in Europe, mm. for like big destinations like London or France, Germany, where the price of mobile is more expensive than yeah. say Croatia or mm. Ukraine. I went to Ukraine, it was unreal, South. I paid two quid for unlimited data for That's a week amazing. or something. And yeah. I was just like, how, like, how can you make any money on this? And yeah. it was LTE. It's, it's crazy because I, I was speaking to some of the uh, other journalists that are here in Hawaii uh, for the Snapdragon Summit from India. And they were sort of telling me about uh, the India data plans and SIMs. So we're mm -hmm. talking, I think they were saying like maybe six or $7 a month. Wow. One gigabyte a day. Wow. So a gig a day for that amount. I mean, I it's like, insane, That's crazy. Right? And they were actually, it was, it was funny because he was saying that nobody has uh, broadband. Nobody. Of course. Uh, because, because data systems are so cheap. So they'll have a smart TV, mm -hmm. which will not be connected onto a like broadband yeah. network. It'll be connected to a phone that's hotspotting. <laughs> So, oh my god! So that was like I was like, wow, seriously, it's like it's, it's amazing to hear. But yeah, I mean, this is the thing. So um, when I'm usually come to the US, uh, so I just picked up a, a an unlimited T-Mobile SIM card, which you know wasn't very expensive, and I'm I've, I've got connection spot, while yeah. I'm here. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I haven't used it uh, myself personally, uh, Google Fine, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So the reason I bring it up is because last week they announced that it's no longer Project Fi, so yeah. no longer a hobby for Google. As you know, their hobbies are pretty expensive. Of course. But this is now real. Yep. And so more importantly, it's going to be available on iPhones. Yeah. And it's yeah. going to support pretty much any phone. Um, with a caveat that if you want the proper auto switching between networks, because that's one of the features, if you use it domestically yes. in the US, it benefits from Sprint and T-Mobile's network, whichever's got the best signal at the time. Mm. And so the Pixel and some Moto phones and some yes. LG phones auto switch, which mm. is really kind of cool. Very cool. Um, and so that's that's basically a, a week old news item that didn't make it in last week's podcast. Mm. So I just wanted to bring it up um, sure. along the same line since we're speaking of Sprint and we spoke of 5G earlier this does not matter to you Saf in any way <laughs> but Sprint and HTC and maybe it does matter because it's HTC and poor HTC we never talk about them anymore I are know. making a hotspot device uh, 5G hotspot device for uh, Sprint this mm. is HTC so maybe HTC that's weird like I didn't yeah. expect them to make a hotspot for Sprint but yeah. there it is it was announced a week ago yeah I mean, HTC. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> again, like each, uh, my first uh, Android device was an HTC Desire. And, you know, I absolutely loved it. And then, like, since then, I think HTC uh, have unfortunately just kind of gone in the background. Uh, yeah. Not really stood out 
from the crowd. Did you so, play with the U12 Plus? That was a, technically I, I a flagship. So here's the thing with H, HTC, uh, I reached out to them many times to you know actually get some hands-on time or maybe get a review device. Uh, not really had anything, unfortunately. How? Seriously? Yeah, yeah. Like so, we're talking so about super staff here. No, but this is the thing. I'm, I'm like the the. This is something that I say all the time: is the companies who need coverage the most from press and mm -hmm. YouTubers and content creators, they seem to be the worst at providing it. Like it's, it's true. It, it's it's like you know, it's hey, true. bring people over. Let's get the word out about our device. I didn't get a chance to use it. Uh, you know, then straight away we had so many of the devices which took priority. So yeah. So tell me, what are you? What are the phones you brought with you and are in your person on your person today at this at this conference? Okay, so I did bring quite <laughs> a few. So um, the Mate Twenty Pro is has been my primary device because of the dual SIM cards. Uh -huh. um, but I also had the iPhone uh, uh -huh. 10s Max, which I really like uh, for the cameras mm -hmm. and the Pixel. Mm -hmm. uh, as well as that, I have two sort of backup devices, the Note 9, which was my primary before I came here, and also the OnePlus uh, 60. So Look at you. <laughs> I've got a few options. Well, I brought the uh, OnePlus 60. Yeah. I brought the Arog phone from Asus. Oh, yeah. Uh, I brought uh, a Mate 20 Pro, and I brought a Pixel 3 XL. Yeah. I also have a Poco phone F1. I finally got one. I'm okay. late to yeah. the party. Yeah. But after pestering Xiaomi US, which you know is not a US product, so it's a little hard for them oh, to justify. Yeah, yeah. But after prodding and poking for a while, they finally sent me one. And I haven't really done much with it, but I mm. think that I'm staying a few extra days. So I'm gonna probably yeah, swap I mean, Sims and try it out. Seems pretty impressive. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw the blind camera test that Marquez Brownlee did. I did not. Okay, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but... Uh, but it turns out it's okay then. Well, it turns out that um, it, well, it reached the finals in the camera test. Oh, wow. Which was pretty And it doesn't have, even have OIS, which it, is it doesn't. It doesn't, but it's, uh, it was quite interesting because the discussion in the video is that what people perceive as a better image sometimes can be not necessarily the better image if you kind of go into detail if you're somebody For like sure. us who yeah. kind of yeah. goes into and looks at you know sharpness detail but uh perceptually perceptually on twitter or on social media you know potentially a brighter image might look like the better one which mm -hmm. it might not be but it was, it was a very interesting uh test i definitely I'll have to check it out yeah. yeah the other thing that uh i want to say since uh, we just talked about the rock phone and i've only really had it in my pocket for about a few days since yeah. i activated just before i flew over uh is the camera is very disappointing i mean it's not it's not horrible. It's hard to make a bad camera these days, even, yeah, especially yeah. with Snapdragon 845 driving in the show. Yeah. But oof, it's yeah. rough. And I'm like, yeah. everything else, so the battery life is incredible. The display, that 90 hertz refresh rate, yeah. you can really feel that. Yeah. I mean, it's not as good as Razer, but yeah. it's a solidly, beautifully made phone and mm. tons of RAM with all the goodness that comes from that. So, you know, it's it's not a bad phone, but I really feel like, come on, how could you have let yourself down on that camera? Yeah. Especially when you're kind of gearing it to be a gaming phone that's but, also just a general speaking a flagship that can do anything. Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to justify when you put the Poco phone near it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you're like, okay, well. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, the ROG phone, like, uh, I actually really like the display the 90 has because it's uh, OLED. Um, I remember comparing it to the Razer phone one at the time, which was the only thing to compare when mm -hmm. uh, when when I initially saw it. Yeah, and you know I wasn't a huge fan of the Razer phone one display because just brightness wise. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, it was I, so I, dim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like I loved the 120 hertz refresh rate, but it was such a dim display. But then when I saw the OLED at 90 hertz, I was like, I'd much rather have this because I I'm a big Me fan too. of OLED displays. It does get pretty bright too. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, just overall the way the phone looks. It's good. It's like, this is a gaming phone. It has been designed ground up as a gaming phone. The fact that it's got USB-C um, on the edge. On yeah. the edge. Uh -huh. I'm not sure if you, so Andrew Edwards, my friend, <laughs> how in. somebody, I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure who did that, but that was hilarious. Um, so in case you're wondering what we're talking about, I'll link to the story, to the tweet. Uh, well, somebody at uh, Android Police tweeted a photo uh, and actually wrote a story of 
If you plug the bottom port USB-C into the side port of the yeah. ROG phone, it thinks it's charging. Yeah. Which means it's like kind of perpetual motion, but yeah. it's not. Obviously, you're just wasting energy yeah. and heat in the cable, but yeah. it's kind of funny. I'll, I'll link to the tweet. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, um, I'm trying to remember what I... The, the, so the thing about the... I keep saying ROG. I know it's wrong. It's yeah. ROG. I got so much hell on social media for really? saying that now I'm sticking <laughs> with it just to antagonize them all. <laughs> no, I'm just, just, I keep forgetting. It's just easier for me to say rock, but I know it's mm. Republic of Gamers, ROG, ROG phone. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's a promising device. Um, I, yeah, I hope that for the next one, they can concentrate a little bit more on the cameras because gamers also like to take pictures. Absolutely. <laughs> Who doesn't like to take pictures? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So what, what is the next phone you're looking the most forward to? The next phone, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to some of these uh, 5G enabled phones. I mean, the Galaxy S, because it's going to be the 10th year anniversary. So from the rumors, we're hearing that they're going to potentially have uh, three, three yeah. or maybe even four phones. Well, I think the way I'm thinking of it is we're going to get a mainstream Galaxy S10 LTE. Yep. It's going to be full screen, yep. probably with a pull punch through for the camera. Yeah. And then we're going to get a 5G version of that, which will not be full screen because it needs to have a millimeter wave antenna in the front somewhere. Yeah. So they can only put that either on the top or bottom bezel. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to get a, a 10th anniversary version of one of these two that yeah. might have some custom design to it. Yeah. And it's going to have everything but the kitchen sink. It's going to be like the Note 10 before the Note 10 in yeah. many ways. And yeah. then we're going to get the folding phone, yeah. the Galaxy F. Yeah, so it's going to be very exciting, I think. Uh, especially in the Samsung side. What, what is your opinion on the punch hole? Um, I'm digging it. Actually, we have a Huawei briefing next week in San Francisco, and I know it's not about the Nova 4, okay. which is the phone that's been rumored to beat Samsung to the Dude. punch, part of the pun, <laughs> for the uh, punch out front uh, yeah. camera hole uh, thing. It's not, I don't think this briefing is about the Nova 4 mm -hmm. because it's not a US market product. Yeah. Uh, it's a, probably about something else. But I'm kind of hoping somehow that they will have a Nova 4 there to show us yeah. because I kind of dig it. I think it's a very elegant solution. And you think, yeah. I think from a technical perspective, it's the next, the next step will be the camera be, be, be behind be, an OLED yeah, like, and the part where the camera is goes black for the moment of the photo taking. Yeah. And they have a very wide aperture, like f over 1.5 or something mm -hmm. to gather more light and very large pixels to gather more light yeah. because the front of the screen will act like an ND filter. Yeah. And, and so I think that's what we're going to see that, that next, is, next. So like in a year. Yeah. I mean, there's been some interesting solutions. I mean, with something like the Find X and the Vivo Next, what I think was quite interesting, I think it was one of the Vivo phones which had a screen on the back. Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, dual screen, and they solved that problem easily by not even yeah. having a front. Camera. Yeah, so it's just like you can go bezel-less, and then you can use because the rear-facing camera is you know, going to be better. Always going to be better. So then it's like, hey, you don't need to use the front-facing camera at all. You just use the display at the back to frame yourself, and you can use selfies. Are you excited about this kind of proliferation of? Variants on form factor that we're seeing to kind of give us a full screen experience. Yeah, I mean, on, on generally speaking, I don't like. I've been primarily using the Note Nine uh, for, I'd say, the most part of this year. Mm -hmm. um, and before that, I was also using the S Nine Plus. I don't mind a very small top and bottom bezel. Yeah, it's like not it's, bad. It's not something that affects me that much. Uh, I prefer that to a notch. Mm -hmm. um, again, I'm not I'm not hugely against a notch either. Uh, it's something that I can get used to. One of the things that I don't like about the Mi 20 Pro, for example, is that the notch actually takes some space on the left and right hand side. So I can't actually see like, so right now, you, you know, I have a Twitter notification, but the icon doesn't come oh, up. Oh yeah, there's because nothing. Because there's, there's not enough space for the icons because mm -hmm. the notch is taking that much space along the top. So I'd rather not have that and just have a strip, which, you know, so, so I'm not usually bothered by the notch, but it's really interesting to see all of these and, you know, just really cool solutions that uh, these manufacturers are. I think it's fun. I think we needed some more, something less boring than just a slab of glass. And yeah. so having, adding some moving parts, dual displays, things that stick out, things that slide. I think it's, yeah. it's cool. Innovation is board. always welcome, of course. And it's, yeah. and it's always for, for us, especially, Seeing some of these solutions is really exciting. Absolutely. Really cool. Well, listen, we should wrap it up. I yeah. think everybody knows where to find you, but please tell everyone who doesn't know who you are somehow, doesn't follow you, where on social media and on the internet they can find you. Yeah, so I'm super safe everywhere. Uh, YouTube, 
Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I was trying to figure out the order to put that. So it's usually <laughs> super safe on everywhere. Uh, I cover mostly um, just general tech, but uh, a lot of smartphones, uh, just because that's what uh, people are very interested in. Um, and yeah, you can check me out on, uh, on those channels. Fantastic. Go check it out. I, I will link to your Twitter and hopefully people can go from there. Of course. Um, and you know where to find me. I'm at Tankerl on Twitter and Instagram. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character from uh, from Australia, Tankerl, but without the vowels. Uh, that's how I got the handle. Okay, and cool. so, uh, and at the time it was the 90s too. So somebody stole it. I was like, I'll drop the vowels. I was way ahead of my time dropping vowels. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, um, cool. you can find me there. You know, the podcast is at mobiletechpodcast.com. Also available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Stitcher, Slacker, TuneIn Radio. Uh, maybe someday we'll have SoundCloud. I'm working on YouTube. By the way, I promised you all that I would put the podcast on YouTube at some point. But I haven't done that yet. It's still in the works. I still need to figure out how that's going to be because I have no visuals to go with it. Um, but stay tuned for that. And then the other thing is uh, the YouTube channel. Uh, and it's uh, youtube.com slash Miriam Jouar. My full name spelled out, Miriam with a Y. Go there. It's got videos that complement the podcast, like unboxings, hands-on videos. Like you'll see a hands-on video with the Snapdragon 855 dev kit mm. uh, or reference design, as they call it. Pretty cool stuff. Um, so, you know, that's basically it about me. I, I want to take a second to thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible.com is the place to go for audiobooks. If you like to listen to books instead of reading them or for some reason have to listen to them instead of reading them, go uh, subscribe to Audible. There's a link in the show notes that will support the podcast if you click through. Uh, audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. If you're not already a subscriber and you want to join, please click on that link and uh, you'll support the podcast. And we'll be back for more. Uh, Saf, thanks for being on. Really awesome. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Absolutely. We'll have you on again sometime soon. And yeah. stay tuned for another show next week, folks. Cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.